Would you turn this evening to the gospel account of Luke, Luke the 13th chapter. We've got a lot to be thankful for. Most of all, what the Lord has done for us. Amen. What redemption means to us. And I'm just sure that we have not fully realized nor fully experienced what has already been bought and paid for, for us in Christ. When he said it is finished, then it was finished. Amen. And when he rose from the dead and he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, he has bought us and he has redeemed us spirit and soul and body. Amen. He has redeemed us in every realm, in every dimension. We have truly been set free. So we ought to be living like that. Amen. We ought not be bound by anything. Can you say amen? Amen. Anybody believe they're free, say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. If you've been with us on these Friday nights, then you know that we have been ministering on the subject of healing. And on the, we, we're calling this uh, receiving and ministering healing. And we've been taking one by one the individual accounts of healing in the ministry of Jesus. And there are only about 19 of those. I say about 19 because it depends on which ones you count and which ones you don't. And of course, a lot more people than that got healed in Jesus' ministry. But there are only about 19 where there's some detail given about who they were, how they came to Jesus, what was wrong with them, what he said, what they said, what he did, how they ministered, how he ministered to them, how they received. And so how many believe that these uh, 19 were selected by the Holy Spirit and given to us every generation for all time because they are timeless, right? And they apply to everybody. Because uh, in, in the Gospel of John, you know, it says that uh, if everything that Jesus said and did was recorded, he supposed even the world itself couldn't contain the books that would be written. So we, we have a relatively small portion of what Jesus said and did recorded. But these things, these things were handpicked by the Holy Spirit because they apply to everybody. So is it beneficial for us to study them like this? Oh, I believe it is. Because for one thing, faith comes by hearing. Amen. And when, and this is the word of God. This is not just men's words. This is the word of God. So as we're hearing this, faith is coming. And the Lord even spoke to me. uh, I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but distinctly in my spirit while I was waiting on him about this. He said, uh, you're building a foundation of healing in the church. Amen. And I believe we are a foundation of faith for healing. Some things you don't always see just in a day or just readily. But this is growing. I said this is growing and this is building. It's pushing doubt out. Amen. It's pushing questions out. And faith is building. Uh, I told Phyllis we had heard some uh, some really good reports of people being healed. You know, she read some. 
and, and some of them we hear that have not been written. But there have been a lot of healings just in the last uh, few months in this church. And uh, we were talking about a particular case. And, and I've seen this because I've, I've ministered in this area for some while. And so many times things change so subtly that people don't realize. They just, they just realize after days I haven't been hurting. They just, you know, after weeks they realize, you know, it's been six weeks since I had one of those attacks, one of those problems like I used to. And, and the Word of God works in you that way. It's not always spectacular, but it is powerful. Amen? And life-changing. That is going on in this church. That is going on. Amen? And it's just going to get stronger and stronger. So don't, don't get carried away with looking for something spectacular and miss the supernatural. And don't believe lies. Well, I just don't know. I don't just, just stay with it. Stay with it. Stay with the Word. It is working. Say it out loud. The Word is working. Working mightily in me. Hallelujah. It changes things on a subconscious level. It changes things in your spirit. And really the things outside are the last to change. Things have already changed majorly inside you. And that's why so many times you don't recognize the outside because it's been that way inside for weeks or months. And you go, well, yeah, there it is outside. When did it come? I don't know because it's been that way inside for some time. In Luke, the 13th chapter, this is our, uh, I believe it's our 17th case of healing that we have studied. And it is called, we're calling it, the healing of the woman with the spirit of infirmity. It's recorded just in this one place in Luke 13. So are you there? Everybody there? And let's pray before we read. Thank you, Lord. My, my faith is not in myself and my ability to teach or preach or dazzle you with any fancy verbiage. My faith is not just in you. My faith is in this word to produce results. Amen. Whether it's me or you or whoever proclaimed it in faith and respect and somebody hears it in faith and respect it will work. It will produce results. And I am firmly convinced it makes no difference what has been wrong with you or how long it has been that way. I believe you can be healed. And I believe it's God's will for you to be healed. Amen. And no matter how rough it's been and how horrible it may have been, I believe God's power is so great and it is His will that He can heal you and make you so whole and so free and so strong that all that stuff just seems like a bad dream that happened to somebody else is so far away from you. So hold on and don't quit. Believe and expect. Amen. Things can happen tonight. Tonight. How many of you know God is the great I am, not I was, not I will be maybe somehow, someday. No, I am. He am tonight. Let's pray before we read these. Father, thank you so much 
for your goodness and faithfulness. We respect your word in this place. This is your place. We are your people. Thank you for hearing our prayers. Grant us utterance. Full, precise, complete. Give everybody ears to hear and eyes that see. And Lord, we confess that your word is life to us and health and medicine to all our flesh. Open our eyes to see everything we ought to see from this passage. And our ears to hear everything and our heart to receive everything that we should. And we thank you that you have sent your word and healed us and delivered us from death and destruction. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Sit out loud, I'll get something good from the Lord's word tonight. In Luke, the 13th chapter. Luke 13, and we'll begin reading in verse 10. Are you there? Luke 13, 10. And as he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Uh-oh. <laughs> we, we, I mean, before we go any further, we know what's, what's up, right? We have seen this happen again and again in this study that Jesus healed somebody on the Sabbath day and got in big trouble because of it. How many understand this is not a coincidence, right? What is the significance about the Sabbath day? Well, uh, last week we talked in some detail about it. The Sabbath day is the day of rest, right? The day of rest. And Hebrews goes into great detail about saying that there remains a rest to the people of God. And he talks about faith in that chapter. Read it carefully and you'll see what we're talking about. Uh, The fourth chapter of Hebrews. He said, we which have believed do enter into rest. Amen. And how many understand we're living in the day and in the dispensation and in the new covenant of grace. Right? No part of salvation is by works. It's by grace through faith. So there's much significance why we keep seeing the Sabbath day in connection with these healings. Now keep reading. On the Sabbath day, now he was doing what? He was teaching. He was teaching. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her. And immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But we've seen that too, haven't we? That glorifying God. When people got healed. And the ruler of the synagogue Raised his hands and praised God. Huh? Well, you would think this is talking about the, you know, today, you know, we think church instead of synagogue. And and, uh, we think, well, you know, the the ruler of the synagogue, that's the head man. So it'd be the head pastor saw somebody got healed in the church. And so he was, he answered with indignation. 
He wasn't happy. He wasn't glad. He wasn't praising God. Because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day. Mm-mm-mm. And he said to the people. Now try to put yourself. Don't just read it as, as a historical account. Put yourself there in the service. Here's a woman that's healed. And here's the head man in the church going. There are six days in which men ought to work. And them therefore come and be healed. And not on the Sabbath day. And he said it with indignation. So he didn't, he didn't just say it politely. He said it in indignation. And the Lord answered him. You hypocrite. (laughs) Now where was he at? He was in the synagogue. And the head man of the synagogue is the one just got through saying this. So Jesus, in this man's church, looks at him and says, You hypocrite. In his own church. Does not each one of you Now he's including more folk than just him. There were some other folk there that were agreeing with the head man in the church. Does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, lo these eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? When he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed. Hmm. They hung, he hung his head. They all hung their head. They were, didn't have nothing to say. And all the people, all the rest of the folks, rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. And all this happened over what? A healing. A woman getting healed. How many have read the Bible enough to know that a large portion of Jesus' ministry involved ministering healing to people. I mean, it wasn't just a side thing. It wasn't just an isolated happening here and there. But I mean, a large portion of Jesus' ministry was ministering to the sick and to the oppressed, getting folks healed and delivered and set free. Amen? Getting them free and healed and whole loosed has he changed has his ministry changed is our ministry supposed to be different from his or is not our ministry to be uh, his ministry actually that we're rep- we're representing him we're under him and his ministry is continuing today through us through the church well he never changes so if we're doing his ministry it's going to read just like the four gospels And the book of Acts. Amen. Well let's back up to the beginning. And look at this and study this. Because if it worked for this woman. It will work for you. Verse 10. Go back to the 10th verse. He was teaching. In one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. So we know. It was possible for somebody to get faith. We've seen other times where he wasn't teaching. I mean, you know, woman with the issue of blood, he was just walking down the road. We read earlier where he was having a meal at some people's house. So he wasn't saying anything for people to get faith from, but here he was. He was in what we'd call a church setting, and he was 
teaching. Did you know Jesus did a lot of teaching? Go through the gospel sometime and see how many times it says that he was teaching. In fact, you'll find this more than once. It said he went about all their synagogues teaching uh, and preaching and healing. Those three things you'll see repeatedly. Teaching, preaching, and healing. Well, healing is the work of Jesus. But you understand teaching and preaching is the work of Jesus. When we're teaching and when we're preaching, those are the works of Jesus. Right? A lot of what he did was teaching and preaching. Go into all the world and do what? Proclaim, preach the gospel. Is that the works of Jesus? That's the ministry of Jesus. Preaching. So we got the works of Jesus going on in this place tonight. Amen. And you don't have to be a so-called preacher or teacher. You can tell somebody what you know. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm not a teacher. You don't have to be a five-fold ministry gift to tell somebody what helped you. Yeah. Share the scripture with them that got you saved, that got you filled. And teaching and preaching is doing the works of Jesus. And faith to be healed comes from hearing. So many times, actually, just back up. You're in the book of Luke, so just back up a couple of pages to the fifth chapter. Luke 5 and verse 15. Luke 5, 15. But so much the more went there a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to what? To hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Infirmity means weakness. Well, what they first come to do? Hear. And then as a result of the hearing, they were healed. Because you, you know, how many times have we seen that Jesus told people, your faith made you whole. As you believed, be it unto you. But faith comes by hearing. Right? So if you want to be healed, what should you be highly interested in? Hearing. 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 I know I was, uh, had the privilege of working at the Kenneth Hagin ministry. For a number of years in, in their healing school there. And uh, I had a lady come by one time. I had morning session. And I had uh, afternoon session. She came by right at the end of the morning session. And she wanted uh, uh, wanted me to pray for her. She had a physical problem. Well I, I believe in praying for people. Laying hands on people. But I've come to find that that alone is not the answer. We must do it in faith. People can you know, lay hands on people just out of rote or just out of uh, ritual. And people can come to line after line after line not expecting and you won't receive. And so, you know, if you have time to talk to somebody one-on-one that I had learned over the years to find out, are they ready to receive? Are they ready for us to lay hands on? And in talking with this lady for just a few minutes, I saw she is not. She's not convinced of the will of God for her to be healed. She's not convinced and ready to believe that she received. So it's not going to help her for me to pray for her and lay hands on her and her doubting and not ready to receive and then go away and it didn't happen. Then she'll say, well, it must not have been God's will when nothing was, nothing's further from the truth. It's just she's not ready to receive. So I said, well, I said, ma'am, can you be back this afternoon? Just a few hours. Can you be back this afternoon? We're going to be teaching on the subject. I think it'd be good for you to hear. 
So I'm interested in her getting her faith built up. Right? And so uh, we talked a little bit further. And I said, well, so can you come? And she said, uh, no, no. Uh, my, my daughter and I are going shopping. Well, she just got through telling me that the doctors have told her that she's going to die. I'm in a terminal situation. And I said, well, she said, I just want you to pray for me. I said, well, I don't think you're ready. I don't think you're ready to receive. And, uh, you know, let's, let's remind ourselves of James 5. He said, is there any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And, and the prayer of faith. Did you hear that? Will save the sick. The Lord will raise them up, and if they've committed sins, they'll be forgiven them. Not not just the laying on of hands of the elders, not just the anointing of oil. What? Prayer of faith. He's very specific. Go back and read it sometime. The prayer of faith will save the sick. And um, she said, no, I just want you to pray for them. I said, well, I don't think we're ready. Well, i got to go shopping. But what do you do for folk like that? It's hard to. I know another minister in another country, a friend of mine, one time he, a similar situation, he, a, a lady came to him, wanted him to pray for her. He said, well, we're having a healing meeting Sunday morning, which was the very next day. Sunday morning at the church, already planned. Can you come out? She said, well, Sunday morning's the day I work in my flower beds. <laughs> well, what happens to folk like that? They die. They do. Because they, they, they have no faith. But that's not the problem. All of us have been low on faith or are without faith at times. The thing is, they won't do the thing that causes you to get faith. Which is what? Here faith comes. Romans ten seventeen. So then faith cometh by hearing. Hearing. And hearing by the word of God. How many would testify that you're at a better place and a different place today than you used to be because you've heard some things? Huh? Man, I can put up both hands and, and both feet if I could. I'm telling you, I know where my life started coming up and where, where our life started changing when we started hearing. But the reason I go through all that is because there are people who are not interested in, they're interested in healing, but they're not interested in hearing. And that's a problem. They're interested in prosperity, but they're not interested in hearing. Well, would you hurry up and just not talk so long and, and, and lay hands on me? <laughs> well, would you hurry up and, and just get, get to the good part? This is the good part. Amen. This is the, it don't get no better than this. Amen. Did you hear me? Then the word, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Everybody say, thank God for the hearing of the word. So he is teaching in the synagogue, and thank God, since he's teaching, people are hearing, right? Don't you think this woman that had this problem for 18 years was glad she didn't lay out and stay home that day? Huh? You know, she's had this condition for 18 years. You know, she didn't feel like it. Don't you think she was glad? That she dragged herself out of bed or whatever was necessary. And she had to prop herself up in front of the mirror and fix her hair. She couldn't straighten up. So she'd have had to tease it like this. 
turned side. She would have turned sideways. Hard to get dressed. Right? Could not straighten up. It's not easy. Getting there is not easy. It's not easy to walk. It's not easy to travel. She had every excuse that people use to stay home and not go. But there she is. Front and center. Bent over and all. Amen. You know, it, it, it grieves me some that people that could come to church and should come to church don't when they could get help. And sometimes people don't come because they, they'd rather party or do something else. But there are people who don't come because they're embarrassed. They, they feel like, well, I don't, I can't, my clothes are not good enough or, or, you know, I, I got this problem. And well, friend, folks with problems ought to know. Church is the place to go, right? And uh, I can't speak for everybody, but I can sure speak for this church. You you tell people if they act like you, well, I just don't know if I can go or not because they, I don't know if I, you know, am, am ready or I don't know I got this problem. You tell them we love folk to come with problems, amen. Because we like we get to see God show off. He is the problem fixer. Amen. And it just, it's a lie for people to lay out and believe, well, I'm not good enough to go over there. I I don't know how to act or I I don't know how to this. Hey, the Lord died for the ungodly. And if they're ungodly, they qualify. Right? (laughs) So come on, get your help. Amen. You tell people. I mean, we're talking about people that are not here. So you tell them, come, we'll love you. Right? We won't condemn you. We won't judge you. Come. Come. Get help. Get set for, yeah, but I've had a drug problem for X amount of time and I don't look good. You're just the kind of folk we're looking for. Come on. Come on. Yeah, but I, I've lied and I've stolen and I've, I'm on my ninth marriage. And uh, Hey, you're just the kind of folk we're looking for. Come on. Come on. Amen. Because in your weakness, God's strength is magnified and shown up big. If you'll just come and believe Him and just open the door a little bit, He'll show Himself so good and so strong to you. Tell them. Tell them. I'm talking about the people that are not here. Tell them. Tell them, come. Don't you know she was glad she came? And uh, it says that she had this problem for 18 years was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself uh good speed you know the the scripture the king james says she had a spirit of infirmity well the uh the word infirmity means weakness literally means weakness and of course is there a sickness that makes you strong no sickness is accompanied by weakness, sickness and disease uh, weakens you. And notice it says a spirit, a spirit. When you read these things, start talking about these some things. Some people get confused, they get upset, they get scared. Spirit, a spirit, yeah. You you is one. <laughs> P- people get goofy. About demons. They really. They get messed up. And there's no reason to. 
Well, yeah, but boy, what about the devil? Well, what about him? He's been stripped. He's been brought to nothing, the scripture says. He's under our feet. Yeah, but there are spirits around. Yeah, and there are angels around. Yeah, but the devils are going to and fro. And God's on the throne. It depends on which one you choose to meditate on will determine which one or ones are allowed to manifest in your life. People who magnify God all the time and praise God all the time and make little of the devil don't have trouble with the devil. Did you hear me? But people who magnify the devil, oh, the devil, oh, the devil, the devil, oh, there's witchcraft, oh, there's sorcery, oh, it's here, it's there, it's everywhere. Oh, the devil's taking over, the devil, not at my house, he's not. Now, if you believe that and you talk that way and you magnify that, then you'll have more and more manifestation of that and more and more trouble. Jesus used two phrases primarily in dealing with the devil. They're not very long. They're not very complicated. And if you use the same two phrases, you will come out well. If you get into a bunch of other elaborate, involved, complicated stuff that he never did, you'll get in trouble. When Jesus dealt with the devil, two basic things he always said, shut up and come out. And then they did, and they all praised God. You never see him wrestling with the devil half the night. Can you show me one place? No. No. Every time he ran into somebody that was oppressed of the enemy, shut up. Come out. They did. This lady had a spirit of infirmity. Now that doesn't mean she was possessed. But there was a spirit affecting her body. And this thing kept her down and kept her weak. And for 18 years, she didn't get over it. And one writer, uh, you know, she, she's been over. One writer calls it, one uh, translation calls it rheumatism. Well, it was something that had frozen her, her joints and got her in this position where she could not, didn't say it was hard for her to, said she could in no wise. There was no way she could straighten up. And the enemy was behind it. Let me read these to you. It said uh, she was bent double, one translation said. Couldn't straighten herself up at all. And before we go any further, what was causing this? The Holy Ghost? Holy Spirit? Did God put this on her to teach her something? I mean, let's just go ahead and skip down to verse 16. He said, ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, lo, these 18 years 
be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. Who did this to this woman? Now that's as plain as you can say it. Isn't it? Jesus. And I like to just stay with him. I like to stay with what he said. Because then I know I'm okay. I know, I know I'm right. If I stay with what he said. Jesus called this woman's physical problem of 18 years satanic bondage. Didn't he? Then why do many Christians call it the mysterious workings of the Lord? But don't they? I mean there are untold numbers of Christians that believe God uses sickness. That God's teaching somebody something with this disease or this sickness and we don't understand all these things but we can't question God. Well, so-and-so was just diagnosed with cancer. Well, it's terrible but we just we don't know God's will and God's plan. I tell you this, it doesn't include cancer. Oh, you better watch it. You better watch it. I'm agreeing with him. I'm agreeing with the master. He calls it satanic bondage. I'm in agreement with him. It's of the devil. Rheumatism is of the devil. Arthritis is of the devil. Thank you for those 12 amens. Now, you may wonder why I, I'm, I'm so repetitive and redundant in some of these things, but I, I, there's a reason, there's a purpose. It's because these areas are strongholds in people's thinking. They have grown up hearing these things all their life, and it's ingrained within them. And even though people outwardly nod sometimes and go, yeah, yeah, God will hear you, God will hear you, still they've got remnants and vestiges of this well now. You know, it might not be his, his will all the time. And we just, you just never know. <laughs> well, if you'll read the Bible, as all faith life people do, every day, Monday through Friday, faith life people read their chapter. Right? We've been reading in the book of Acts. And we watched Paul by the Holy Ghost stand up and address King Agrippa and Felix and Festus. That was masterful, was it not? I mean, did you read that today about how he stood up there and, and, and he says, uh, who was it, uh, Festus? Who said, you lost your mind, Paul. He said, no, most excellent you know, Your Excellency, I haven't lost my mind. He said, but King Agrippa knows what I'm talking about. See, he perceived that, that he was getting this. He said, none of these things are hidden from him. He said, uh, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. <laughs> He's ministering by the Holy Ghost, isn't he? And King Agrippa said, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. He said, I would to God that you were with almost and all together. And everybody here was all together just like me, except uh, for these chains. <laughs> smooth, smooth. Man, it takes the Holy Ghost to be that smooth. <laughs> Somebody said, oh, wasn't Paul a masterful orator? You're missing the point. 
Holy Ghost. Yeah, it wasn't just because Paul was so brilliant. Holy Ghost. Amen. He can make you smooth too. Always know what to say. How to say it. How to approach. How to deal. How to do. Don't you have the comforter living in you? But uh, we we're talking about reading your scriptures. Right? And when you read the Bible, then you come to this conclusion. Sickness is the work of the devil. It is not the work of God. And until you get that settled in your heart, you cannot have faith to be healed. As long as you entertain the idea that it might not be God's will to heal you or somebody else. And that God might be using this to teach you something or or develop you in piety or holiness or this and that. That undermines and destroys your faith. You can't have confidence toward God when you're unsure of his will. Like Dr. Bosworth said in his book, Christ the Healer, faith begins where the will of God is known. That's just another way of saying faith comes by hearing. Right? And so uh, this is not the only place. How many remember another place? Acts 10.38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. Power, how he went about doing good and what? Is healing good or bad? It's good. Well, is sickness good or bad? Christians are confused about this. Well, that all depends. No, honey, it don't depend. Sickness is bad. When you hurt, it's bad. When you got to spend all your money on medicine and operations, that's bad. That's not good. Well, maybe it's a blessing in disguise. No, it's not a blessing in disguise or any otherwise. It's a curse. Sickness is a curse. Disease is a curse. Dying in midlife from cancer or lung disease or diabetes is a curse. The blessing is with long life. I'll satisfy you. Not just an existence, but a satisfying long life. And show you my salvation. Well, he said he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. So we have in the book of Acts, Holy Ghost Witness. That everybody that was healed, that was sick, that got healed in Jesus' ministry, were oppressed of the devil. Right? Jesus called it satanic bondage. He called sickness satanic bondage. The Holy Ghost in Acts called sickness satanic oppression. Why are some Christians and some preachers calling it a blessing in disguise? What scripture do they have for that? Where is that found? Am I just talking about something that doesn't exist? Or are there millions upon millions of Christians who are not convinced it's God's will for them to be healed? So it is a big issue. I said it's a big issue. What about you though? Are you convinced? Huh? Do you believe it's God's will, perfect will, for you to be healed and whole right now? And live your whole life healed. Somebody said, well, yeah, but you know, five out of ten people 
get this sometime in their lifetime. Yeah, but you know, I mean, look at the statistics. I mean, you know, seven out of ten men will have this. Uh, you know, eight out of ten women will get this. And you just never know. That's negative. And that's living by statistics instead of living by the word. Well, five out of ten get it. Yeah, but five out of ten live their whole life and never get it. Yeah, but eight out of ten, yeah. But two out of ten live their whole life. Never even think about it. Somebody's got to be those two. Me and you. (laughs) Well, you just don't stand up there and talk so smarty britches, preacher. You better watch it. You better watch it. Did the psalmist not stand up and say, and it be recorded for all of us to believe and say, though a thousand will fall at this side, and ten thousand fall over here at my right hand, it will not come near me. Is that Bible? Anybody know where that's at? 91st Psalm. I mean, Christians of all persuasions believe in the 91st Psalm. Sort of. (laughs) The Lord wouldn't have put it in the Bible if he didn't want us to believe it. There's all kind of things he didn't put in the Bible. But these are selected. Because they're for every person, for every generation. Never goes out of style. There will never be any updates to the Bible. Oh, we're sorry, but this whole section has now become obsolete. And here is a new section that replaces. You better run from them. No, no, no. Heaven and earth will pass away, but this does not change. Why? Because he who is perfect said it. And it is perfect. Needs no adjustment, no change, no modification. That will give you some insight into some of these other religions. They change their Bible every few years. They do. Well, we got to change this and we got to change. Um, no, no, no. Doesn't have to be changed because it was perfect when it came out. Keep reading. This woman had this spirit of infirmity. Bent over, frozen in a bent over condition for 18 long, uncomfortable, fixing your hair sideways in the mirror years. You know this was no fun, right? One reason I say that is because it makes no difference how long something's been that way. Yeah, but I've had this condition for five years. So she had that for 18. Yeah, but I've been like this since I was a child. So, so. Just because you've been like that doesn't mean it's the will of God. And just because even if physicians have exhausted their methods and weren't able to help you, have you gone to the great physician? Because he can. I said he can. And so when Jesus saw this woman in this condition. Verse 12. When he saw her he called her to him. And said to her. Woman. You art loosed. From your infirmity. Oh this is a wonderful thing here. 
Listen to this other translation. Woman, you are released from your weakness. Another one said, woman, you are rid of your illness. Another one said, you are liberated from your trouble. You are free from your problem. Now, now, if we just stopped right there, just stop. Just right there. Don't look at another verse. Is she still bent over? Hmm? Is she physically still bent over? The answer is yes. You have to keep reading to see her straighten up. Is that right? If you stop right there, she is still bent over like she has been for 18 years. Did Jesus tell her, woman, get ready, I'm about to set you free? No. What did he tell her? You are loosed. Not going to be. Oh, friends, are you listening with your heart now? Man, this is, this is a vital point of faith. You are loosed. Turn back to chapter 4 real quickly here. Chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Just back a few pages. Very familiar passage of Scripture. Jesus had just come out in the power of the Spirit over, over the wilderness temptation. And he came into the synagogue. And, and as his custom was, he took the Scripture and, and read out of the book of Isaiah. And verse 18, this is what he read. Luke 4.18. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To sit at liberty to them that are bruised. And to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now notice that one phrase up there. He said that he's anointed to preach deliverance to the captives. Had this woman been in bondage? Hmm? The Bible said, Jesus said, Satan had bound this woman for 18 years. She had been in bondage. I mean, it's like being in jail. Physical problems, debilitating, robbing you of your strength and robbing you of a full life. Did Jesus care that she had been in bondage for 18 years? Yes, set her free. Has he changed? No. Does he care if, if you've been in bondage? Hadn't been able to go and do like you should. Hadn't been able to eat everything you ought to be able to. Hmm? Don't, don't hold fast to allergies. Don't say, oh, no, now no, I can't eat that. Ooh, when I eat that, ooh, I can't, I could. if I eat that, I couldn't sleep a wink tonight. According to your faith, so be it to you. You say you can't, you believe you can't, so you can't. But why shouldn't you be able to eat anything I do? I eat anything. <laughs> I go on the mission field. I eat all kinds of stuff. Why couldn't you have a missionary stomach? <laughs> be able to eat whatever's appropriate. Well, you should be able to. Right? Should not be bound. Should not be limited. Should not be restricted. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me to preach deliverance to the captives. Listen to this translation. One says, 
The Beck says, to announce to the prisoners, you are free. That's at Luke 4 here. The Beck translation says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me to announce to the prisoners, you are free. Isn't that what he just did here? In this 13th chapter with this woman's spirit of infirmity, that's what he did. He announced to her. Woman, what? You are. Yeah, but she's not. Yeah, but she is. Yeah, but she ain't yet. Yeah, but she is already. But she ain't. Yes, she is. (laughs) But she's still be. I know, but she is. This is what walking by faith is all about. Right? If you see it and it's already, you feel it, then there's no faith. Now you're walking by sight. Faith calls it done when it feels like it's not. Faith calls it free when it still feels bound. Faith calls it paid off when we don't know where the money might come from. Can't see. Go over to Romans. Romans 4, are you there? You know it, but look at it again. Romans 4, 16. He said, therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who's the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. How many remember God told Abraham that when they had not one baby, not one child. And he's 99 years old and Sarah's 90 and she's barren when she was 20. She's not pregnant, barren as a young woman. And he didn't tell you, just hold on. One of these days I'm going to make you. No. Mm -mm. What does he say? What does he say? I have done it. It didn't look like it. It didn't feel like it. But the Bible said, you know, when the Lord took him out there, said, look up in the sky, friend. Abraham's called the friend of God. Look up, friend. Look up in the sky. Can you count all those stars? He said, no, sir. He said, that's how many babies you're going to have. <laughs> Seemed impossible. Too many babies to count. They didn't have one. Seemed too old. But the Bible said Abraham believed God. Amen. Did he understand that? No. Could he figure that out? No. You don't have to understand and figure it out to believe. Thank God you don't. He just looked up and said, okay, (laughs) if you said it, you can do it. I don't know how in the world, but I don't have to know how. Yes, sir. You said you'll do it. Do it. I believe it. That's why he's in the book. If the Lord looks at you and says, I mean, we've seen this before. What do you tell the nobleman? Your son lives. Go home. Got no reason to think his boy is any better. Is there anything in the Bible like this with redemption and with confession and with faith? What is it going to say here? Like unto him whom he believed, who what? 
quickens the dead and, are you reading? And calls those things that be not as though they were. This woman wasn't loosed, but he called her loosed. He said, you are. Oh, friend, have you read what the scripture says in Ephesians? He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Second Peter, he has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him. Colossians, he has, hath, has delivered us from the power of darkness. Oh, if people could just get this. I've had people come to me and say, oh, Brother Keith, you got to pray for me. I'm oppressed. I'm messed up. you got to pray for me. I said, you are delivered. He said, oh, you got to pray. I said, look at the scripture. Here, Colossians 1. Yeah, but I'm looking for somebody with the power. Yeah, you're rejecting the word. Yeah. i got to find somebody with the special anointing. Yeah, and you'll be messed up the next time I see you. You cannot elevate any personality above this word. Did you hear me? And you turn a deaf ear to this and look for somebody that's special anointed, you're going to stay in trouble. Oh, but Colossians 1. He hath delivered us. Has delivered. We got another testimony just not too long ago because somebody heard it on a tape. You may have heard me talk about it, about the young man that I helped, you know, told him how to get set free from smoking. Now, if you're smoking, you like to smoke, I'm not talking to you. But if you want to quit, and this young man did, he wanted to quit. So, so I, he said, Brother Keith, I want to quit. Doctors say, I got to quit. And, and I've tried quitting. I said, well, will you do what I tell you? He said, oh, I don't know. I've thrown away all kind of cigarettes. He said, and I, be, I said, no, I'm not telling you to do throw anything away. But I've been prayed for. I said, just calm down. Will you do one simple thing? He said, what? I said, every time. You buy a cigarette. Every time you buy a pack, you say, thank you, Lord, I'm free from cigarettes. I said, when you pull one out of the pack and you light it up, you say, thank you, Lord, I'm free from cigarettes. In between drags, you say, thank you, Lord. He said, yeah, but I'll be smoking. I said, I know it. I said, can you do that? He said, I'll still be smoking. I said, I know it. Will you do what I tell you? Uh, I said, well. You asked me and I'm telling you. He said, okay, all right, okay, I've tried everything else. I said, I said, you got to do it consistently. I said, when you pull them out of your pocket at night, lay them on the nightstand, you say, thank you, Lord. I'm free from cigarettes. I'm free from nicotine. I'm free from tar. I'm free from smoking. I'm free. Yeah, but I'll still be smoking. I said, just do what I tell you. Is he saying, I'm going to get free maybe sometime? Mm-mm. What's he saying? I am free. I am free. Have you been delivered? Half been delivered. It wasn't but just a few, what was it, a few weeks. He come in beaming. He said, guess what? I said, what? He said, I'm free. Yeah. <laughs> I said, how'd you find out? He said, I did just what you said. He said, I, in between puffs. He said, I said, where nobody could hear me, though. He said, you know, I said, it's all right. He said, they think I'm nuts. I said, I know. That's all right. And he said, I'd say it every pack I bought, every time I put out a butt, every time, you know. And he said, one day I was on the corner and, 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 and taking another drag, and it just hit me. I said, I'm free from... He said, I am free. And he said, that was the last one. Why? Faith 
opens the door for God to put power in you and strengthen your spirit. But when you're going around night and day, say, I, I can't. I tried everything and I can't. Your words are stout against God. Amen. We got another testimony just recently, didn't we? So, same thing. Somebody said, I heard that on the tape and I started doing it. How long was it? Smoking 40 something years, three weeks. Totally free and quick. Amen. Glory to God. Well, now that doesn't just work on that. It works on anything. It works on rheumatoid arthritis. It works on being frozen in position for 18 years. He looked at her. He said, woman, you are loosed. Oh, friend, I got something in my spirit tonight that some people are going to get this. And you're going to change some things in your life. And you're going to start going around and saying, I am free. I am free. I am loosed. I am healed. What did the Bible say? By his stripes ye were, were, were healed. Well, if you were, then you are. You are. She must have believed that. She had been hearing him teach. She must have believed that. She didn't buck against him. She didn't fight against him. And immediately then, he reaches over and touches her. Now see, when you believe this and put your words in agreement with him, then anointing will come to affect what you're believing. He reaches over and touched her. Are you there reading? He touched her, laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Hallelujah. Nothing is said, no indication of her glorifying God those 18 years she was bound up. But the moment she's made straight, it glorified God. The works of the devil glorify the devil. But the works of God glorify God. Is healing a work of the devil? No. Did you notice the devil's always messing stuff up? The devil didn't straighten the woman up. It took God to straighten her up. What'd he do? He, he made her crooked. That's literally what wicked means. Wicked means twisted. The devil's not a creator. He can't fix things. He can just break them. He just messes them up. Twists them. Distorts them. Destroys them. He doesn't come except he comes to steal, kill, destroy. He can't fix a thing. Some ignorant folk. Talk about, you know, well, boy, you better not go down to that church, you know. I mean, yeah, maybe you might get healed, but oh, I wouldn't want the devil healing me. The devil's not healing Christians. <laughs> Have some sense. The devil's not helping Christians. Besides that, there's no healing in him. There's no life in him. Only death. Only destruction. Only twisting and wickedness. Perversion, distortion. So the twisting and the bending over and the freezing and the deforming, that didn't glorify God for 18 years. Oh, but when that woman stood up in that church and everybody knew her and she straightened up there and bent over half backwards, everybody said, glory to God. Glory to God. Don't you want God to be glorified in your spirit and in your body? And in your life, every area. Sit out loud, God be glorified. In my spirit. 
in my body, which is yours, be glorified in my life. Hallelujah. Then this ruler of the synagogue gets all heated up. Indignation means uh, grieved and it means uh, heated. He was heated. Everybody say heated. Well, bless his heart. Heated and much grief. It made him mad when he saw this woman get set free. Now you got to, you got to be influenced by the devil to get mad when a woman that's been like this for 18 years gets free. But he did. He said, mm, no, this can't be God because it's on the Sabbath day. There are six days which people can come and be healed. Come get yourself cured. That's what one translation said. Come get yourself cured on that day. Any of them, any of those six days, not on the day of rest. I tell you what, traditionally religious people are the meanest people on the planet. Oh, holier than thou. And I'll beat you and kick you and kick your brains in and then give you a scripture why it's okay. Heartless. Put on the voice. Oh, thou durst not presume to know the will of the Almighty. Yield thou to his infinite and mysterious will. They weren't getting anybody healed. If somebody popped up and said, okay, which one of these six days we're going to have a healing meeting here at the synagogue? Tell me which one. Do you do understand that the world is full of supposed experts? They don't do it. They're not getting results, but they can tell us what's wrong with what we're doing. Well, you need to be getting results before you start trying to talk about something. Jesus was getting results. He said, come and be healed on, on those six work days. Now, get, get what he's saying. We've seen this again and again, but, but get what he's saying. He's saying healing is a secular thing. It's, it's too common physical. Healing is too common and a mundane thing to be doing on the Sabbath day. What's he saying? It's not for today. Not for this day. This Sabbath day. Does that sound familiar? Oh, man. Not for today. I've actually seen in the last some time with the Lord. I, I, I've endeavored to be, you know, tolerant and just not pay attention to folk that say these kind of things. I'm coming to realize these things irritate the Lord. It's not that it just doesn't matter to Him that they teach and say these things. They're lying about Him. They're misrepresenting Him. Yeah, but that, you know, natural physical healing is not that big of a deal. Well, then why did Jesus spend so much time doing it? It is important. The healing of the physical body is important to God. 
It is. It's no small, trivial, well, God cares most about the spirits of men. And we shouldn't be so infatuated and talk so much about the healing of the body. Because it's only, I know it's temporary, but why did Jesus spend so much time? No, friend, your body's valuable to God. Amen. I said it's valuable. Besides that, anybody with good sense understands if you are hindered with all this disease and sickness, how are you going to have a full ministry? How am I going to, and you, going to go into all the world and preach the gospel? Can't half get out of bed. You need supernatural strength Amen. Hmm? to do what God has called you to do. We're finding that out. Zip over here and preach and fly over here and do this and eat strange food and sleep in a strange room and time zone change and then pop up here and supposed to be ready to go again. I couldn't do that sick. How could I do that sick? Can't do it sick or can't do fully what I should do. Sick. And I said, yeah, but so-and-so, they've had this terrible problem in their body, and they've done all these things for God. Super. But what more could they have done if they hadn't have been hindered by that? No, I'm sorry. I do not accept that it was ever God's perfect will for anybody to be sick, deformed, and diseased. You honor people's courage that have overcome things and pushed on and served God. That is honorable. But don't tell me God did it. And don't tell me he chose not to heal them. I don't believe it. I don't accept it. No. Jesus looked at this man. He said, you hypocrite. The word hypocrite means a pretender, play actor. He said, you big old pretender, you big old put on. Each one of you on the Sabbath day, you go right out and untie your donkey from the stall and lead him right over to the watering trough because little donkey's thirsty. He don't know it's a Sabbath day. He just knows he's thirsty. And so you get the little donkey and you, big man at the synagogue, you lead your donkey to the watering trough, don't you? Now I got a question for you. What has that got to do with healing? (laughs) Apparently everything. We've seen this repeatedly, haven't we? I mean, last week. We talked about Smokey in the well. And Poojie tied up in the wire, right? And we've seen it before. This, I, I believe this is the third time we've seen specific references to this. Why? This must be significant. Because Jesus used this in straightening people out about their ideas about healing again and again and again. What has this woman, you know, getting healed from this bound up, frozen condition for 18 years, got to do with a donkey drinking water. He compares the two. He said it's the same thing. Now if you don't understand that, don't turn this loose till you get it. 
Doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? Listen to this. This is the NEB and the 20th century and the Phillips combined. He said, what hypocrites you are. Every single one of you unties his ox or his ass from the stall on the Sabbath day and takes it out for a drink. And ought not this woman being the daughter of Abraham whom Satan has bound, lo, these 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? He said, every one of you will loose your donkey and take him to the water trough. And wasn't it necessary for this woman being the daughter of Abraham whom Satan tied up? You getting it now? That's literally what that word means. The Berkeley brings that out. Whom Satan tied up and kept bound for these 18 years, shouldn't she be untied and released and delivered from this bondage on the Sabbath day? You don't have to pray about whether it's God's will for you to be healed any more than you got to pray about the donkey getting some water when he's thirsty. No person with right understanding would go out and, and here it is, 95 degrees, and the little donkey is sweating and panting and looking faint, and you go out and you go, oh, donkey, you thirsty, ain't you? You can tell he's, he's, he's thirsty. And you go, well, now we got to find the will of God on this. Because it might not be the will of God for you to drink today. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to, 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 to make fun of this. This is what he told them. Oh, well, let's all pray. God, is it your will for hee-haw here <laughs> to drink today? Because you just never know. Lord, show us now, is it your will? Because if it's not your will, we're going to live, we're going to leave hee-haw right there. And if he dies of thirst, I reckon he will, but that's just, your will be done. Not our will. But your will be done. Is this not how millions pray about healing? It makes just as much sense. This is not my comparison. This is Jesus' comparison. And it's not the only time he used this. He's used it repeatedly. We've seen it. You don't wonder about whether it's God's will to heal somebody any more than you wonder about watering a thirsty animal. Donkey's thirsty. Give him some water. Yeah, but no, no, yeah, but nothing. Get him some water. No fasting, no praying, no looking up scriptures. Thirsty donkeys should be watered. Right? It takes the devil to mess up stuff this simple. Doesn't it? It takes the devil and confused and full of pride theologians to write multiple volumes that twist this around to whether we don't know whether we ought to water the donkey or not. But millions are there. He said, no, no, no. Every one of you, every one of you 
That's why they all ducked their head down later and were embarrassed to shake. Because they knew they did. Every Sabbath day, they took donkey to the water chop. Every Sabbath day. He said, every one of you, hypocrites, every one of you, take your donkey or your cow and lead him right to the water chop on the Sabbath day. And ought not this woman, not a cow, not a donkey, a woman being a daughter of Abraham. I mean, dear me, if you're going to water a donkey, then a daughter of Abraham ought to be healed. Do we think like that today? Millions don't. We should. We should. Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, be loosed from this bondage on the Sabbath day? Listen, she's a daughter of Abraham. That means she's a daughter of faith. She's a daughter of covenant. And he said she ought to be. Ought to be. Do you hear how strong this is? Jesus, this is not some, some, some fellow just saying something. This is Jesus caused this sickness, satanic bondage. And he said she ought to be loosed. Ought to be. Ought to be. That's why he set her free. When he got through saying that, what happened? When he said that, all his adversaries... What a shame. One translation says they blushed with shame. They felt ashamed. And all the people rejoiced. The crowd was thrilled. For all the glorious things that were done by him. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.